स्पाइस रेडियो और रेडियो रूम सुन रहे हैं आप गपशप का प्रोग्राम है हमारी घड़ियों में बाद दोपहर के दो बजकर छः मिनट हुआ चाहते हैं अब से लेकर तीन बजे तक आपका और हमारा साथ रहेगा हमारे आज के इस कार्यक्रम में जिसका नाम बड़े प्यार से हमने गपशप रखा है क्योंकि इसमें वो सभी बातें जो आज आपकी नज़रों में अटकेंगी खटकेंगी और दिल में समाएंगी उन सबको लेकर हम हाजिर हैं ये बताते हुए कि बाहर का मौसम खुशनुमा है क्योंकि कुछ इक्का दुक्का बादल मंडरा रहे हैं और 25.7 डिग्री तापमान है हमारे स्टूडियो के बाहर और आज थोड़ा इतना ज़्यादा नहीं होगा जितना कल है लेकिन आई एम टेलिंग यू अगले हफ्ते तापमान बहुत ज़्यादा बढ़ेगा और प्रॉबली ओवर 30 डिग्रीज टेम्परेचर होगा हमारे यहाँ पे ऑन्टेरियो में और क्यूबैक में उसके अलावा यूरोप में बहुत ज़्यादा गर्मी है एंड इट्स द होल वर्ल्ड इज़ बर्निंग सो लेट्स जस्ट प्रे फॉर सम रेन फॉर एवरी वन एंड कूलर टेम्परेचर्स आज uh, 21 जुलाई है और uh, वादी के मुताबिक हमारे साथ मेल चौधरी हैं जो कि सिमसन थॉमस एंड एसोसिएट्स के साथ ताल्लुक रखते हैं आइए प्रोग्राम में उनका स्वागत करें मेल मोस्ट वेलकम इन प्रोग्राम हाउ यू डूइंग आई एम डूइंग ग्रेट थैंक्स फॉर हैविंग मी हेयर so you are all well dressed for uh, summer you know light dressed <laughs> so you notice i'm wearing a golf shirt yes. and jeans today which yes. is different than usual right <laughs> that's right you're you're properly suited booted guy yeah but you know normally these days you know a lot of things are done over the phone yes. zoom working from home mm-hmm. uh, going to the office sometimes right. so if you're why not it's hot Uh, short sleeve is probably good today. Yes, and I think w- one good thing uh, COVID that has managed to do, and that's uh, make people realize that they can stay at home and still put in uh, a quality work. Yeah, and people are more relaxed about yes. it. Yes, like I can tell you, in the old days, lawyers, you know, people wanted to work from home. Yes. What would the reaction be from the employer? Yeah. Why? <laughs> I, I I can't see you working. <laughs> so now I I think people have learned through this experience that people can be very productive and sometimes more productive. Yeah, because I they're think happy. so. Right. And I think the other thing is um employees and mm. where how do they want to work? That's right. Um so you might have a tough time attracting people and keeping people That's if right. you don't have some flexibility. We have um you know in our studios people who work from home and uh the quality of work is excellent you know we know that uh, at the right time we'll get the product and it'll be on air so there is no issue now before were you hesitant yes right. because i didn't need to see them working sweat in front of me while you're working <laughs> <laughs> what what do you know we we could actually trust people i think that's the biggest thing yeah. you 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 do trust people because the product comes right it's it's good i mean if the product isn't good then obviously you will say no no i want you back here right 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 because there you can correct everything or whatever hey listen i heard that there's a huge news icbc related and is it in the favor of the people or is it in the favor of icbc so that you're right there was a very recent decision yes. that came out just in the last week or so yeah and it's uh, very significant so to give you uh, just a brief summary and then I'll go into a little bit of the background right it has to do with legislation which puts a cap on disbursements yes so you know people must be wondering well what is a disbursement mm-hmm. well if you bring a claim a lawsuit you're claiming damages 
So that would be things like pain and suffering, loss of income, out-of-pocket expenses for therapy, and such. Now, disbursements are the expenses you need to incur, your lawyer incurs, to make your case. Mm. And the obligation is on the person bringing the claim mm. to prove their case. Right. So what might that be? It could be something small like photocopying, uh, or it could be something large like an expert report. So expert would be a doctor, or it could be an occupational therapist. People we need to provide a report to prove the case. Hmm. So what so is... So this is, say for example, someone has been hurt in a car accident, and um, although if, I, if you look at them, they're looking fine, but when, when they go to work or they do their regular job, they are unable to complete their job. Right, and, and so you need proof of that because yes. if you're like you're saying there could be examples where you look at somebody and they look fine mm. so uh, just to kind of flesh that out if somebody's got a back injury yes right let's say it's somebody like me well for the most part my job is flexible I can go and get up and sit down take Tylenol and I, I can do my job right but if someone has a physical job where that back injury will prevent them from working Let's say somebody's working for the city and they have to dig holes, put right. up fence posts. Now that's going to have a huge effect on them. Right. So what do I need to prove that? Well, I need um, a doctor who can talk about the physical parts of the injury. Right. So that's one expert. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say because of their physical problems, emotional issues come, come oh, to yes. pass. Yes. So now I need a psychiatrist and the physical doctor won't be able to talk about that. No. So now I need expert number two. Right. Uh, let's say in terms of work, well, how do I prove that? Hmm. Well, normally it's a functional capacity evaluation. There's a specialty called an occupational therapist. They'll okay. run a person through testing, right. and they'll say, you know, I've, I've put a person through this, these tests, and these specific tasks for their job, it's not well-suited. It's not sustainable. Hmm. So that's three, <laughs> right? A vocational expert, somebody who can talk about, well, if they can't do this, Given their skills, given their education, can they retrain? What else is open to them, right? So now we've got five. And then I'll need an economist to kind of punch the numbers in and Mm. figure out over the long term, what does this mean in terms of an income loss? Wow. So all of that is expensive. And if there's a cap on disbursements, then I as a lawyer, and I've been living this because, you know, this legislation came into place. So when I've got a client with those type of issues, I've got to factor in, do I spend the money on getting all of these experts? And if I do, then we might not get all that money back. Mm. Because if it's a 6% cap, let's say somebody has a $100,000 claim. Mm. That means $6,000 you can spend on these expenses. Yeah, but these expenses are more than $6,000. Way more. Like what you've mentioned, there are six experts there they're not going to come and work for 100 bucks. No, it's it's going to be really expensive. Yes. So then I, I've got to think, well, is it worthwhile to get these experts because at the end of the day, it's going to be more expensive and it's going to come out of the client's pocket. So what happens is it has a chilling effect, right? And, and I think the government knew this when they enacted it. One of the things that was discussed is, well, if people can't spend money freely, then what may end up happening is that'll impact the value of their damages and they'll get less and that's I think that's what was happening and and so did the public or the legal um, community 
challenge that? The legal community. So, um, you know, a, a big force in this was the mm. Trial Lawyers Association, which mm-hmm. we happen to be members of. Mm-hmm. And they spearheaded this, and along with people that were injured, mm-hmm. um, supporting them. And basically, they had the legislation overturned. So take me back to when the legislation was introduced. And any accidents prior to that, or any accidents during that period, and the new um, May or May or June 2021 legislation of no fault, which is I just don't understand how the government can even come and think of no fault insurance. I want to talk about that later on. But who, what are the people that it impacts? So if you're involved in an accident after May 1st, 2021, yes, this won't have any bearing on you. No, because you're you're already been hit with the biggest. Um, legislation, which is no fault. You can't you can't bring a claim through court the court system. Okay, so let's just clarify that for our listeners. Say, I get into a car accident tomorrow, and I am badly injured. I can't do anything about it except the government allows me to rehabilitate myself and get better, but nothing for my pain, uh, sufferings, nothing like that. Right. So so the, it's kind of it's just like um WorkSafe BC. Ah. Very similar to that. So they'll pay for therapy like massage, physio. Yeah. Um while you're off work and you're totally disabled, they'll give you some income benefits. Right. But nothing for pain and suffering. No. Uh so it's very limited. Yeah. Now, um okay, I'm not I'm, I let, let's not talk about um, no fault just as yet because I want to talk about that afterwards. Yeah. Let's just complete this this one, which was before no fault. Yeah. So so now, if you think about it this way, yeah. um, you know the legal community and plaintiffs that are injured for cases where accidents happened before May first, twenty twenty one. There is this limitate. There was this limitation with the disbursement cap. So I already talked about why it was such a hard thing to deal with, right? So the government actually tried to introduce this, I want to say roughly about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was introduced at that time. The Trial Lawyers Association, as well as plaintiffs, challenged it. It was, it was overthrown. It, it was, was overturned. Dropped, yes. It was dropped. So the government read the decision, and then they tweaked it. Mm. And then they brought it back. <laughs> so, you know, on the one hand, you think, okay, well, we've had a big success here. You know, it's, this is a lot better for people that are injured. Mm. And they tweak it and they bring it back. And it takes a long time to get these cases heard. So, you know, this is something that the trial lawyers and people that are injured have been wanting to get addressed for a long time. But because of the backlog, it takes a while. Mm. So the decision just came out. So if you can imagine, they tried it once before, didn't work. They brought it back. But in the meantime, while we're waiting to have it challenged again, we're hit with it. So, mm. if, so what does that mean? Like, just to put that into perspective for people, let's say you've got a trial coming up, mm. and it's the kind of case I just told you about. Yes. Where we've got all these experts. Yes. Well, the closer you get to trial, the more the expenses add yes, up. Yes, of course. And if you go to court, if you can imagine all those experts going to court. It's going to be a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So what ended up, what you know, happened for a lot of cases is there's a discouragement to actually go to court. Yeah, so because you settle out of court and get less money, but you won't have to pay for 
the exports. Right, because because yeah. of the fact that you're wasting away so much money in expenses. So that was having a very chilling effect on people. Mm. So now this decision comes out and it overturns that. Mm. So in terms of the decision itself, um, you know, it's a lengthy decision. Um, looking at it, just just a, just about thirty pages, mm. and uh, essentially what the court does is they look at a couple of different bases or reasons why they overturned it. So one of the reasons is they look at the legislation, and and this provision about the disbursements was put in through a regulation. Mm. So if you think about it, legislation is the main type of law. Mm. And then a regulation is something that can be added to it. Mm -hmm. So the court said that you have to have regulations that are consistent with the purpose of the actual legislation. Okay. And they said this is not consistent. Ah. And they looked at a, a bunch of different reasons why. And the main reason is access to justice. Right. That's one of the main reasons. Yes. Um, the legislation talked about proportionality. Mm -hmm. But what this law was doing was just making it impossible or very difficult mm -hmm. for people to get damages. Right. Another basis was that the courts have a core jurisdiction. Right. So this would be kind of like, you know, the government has a role to play in society. The courts have a role to play in society. And to some extent, the government shouldn't get involved in mm. tying the court's hands. So when you've got a situation where people don't go to court because they can't afford it mm. because of this legislation, then you've got um, an inability to access justice. So that's another basis that this decision was made. I, I would like to take a very short commercial break, but come back and ask uh, if people have any questions, but I do have a couple of questions on this. Um, and we'll go through some examples as well, if you have. Um, Mel Chaudhary from Simpson Thomas & Associates is in our studios today. Um, if you want to talk to him, our telephone number is 604-280-1200, 604-299-8863. And I also want to put out a question to all our listeners. What do you think of no-fault insurance? How do you understand it? What do you understand when someone says, ICBC has a no-fault insurance policy? What does it mean? Please give us a call and let us know what you think of it. We'll be right back. Spice Radio or Radio Rimsundri, you've got a program here. Mel Chaudhary at Studios. You've got a couple of other, and I wanted to ask a couple of other questions on the examples of why the judge felt that this, you know, that they ha they had to overturn uh, ICBC's uh, thing. What is it? Decision. Uh, we have a caller on line four. Let's just take that call first. Line four, thank you for calling. How are you doing? Hello? Hi. Hi can there, line four. Me? Yes, we can hear you. Can you hear us? Yes. Okay. okay. I, I had an accident. Uh, it wasn't my fault. It was all covered because I was uh, I had a whiplash. My, I hurt my back, and I went through physio, uh, 25 physio already, and then I now I stopped it. But my back is hurting, and they said we will not give you any pain and suffering. So what do I do? Caller, when was your accident? What was the date? And maybe just tell me if it was before in or April, after May 1st, 2021. 
When was it? In so, April 2021? Uh, no, this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so what will happen is because of this new system, it's just like WorkSafe BC. So they'll pay for things like therapy. And if you're completely off work, they'll they'll pay for some disability benefits, but you don't, yes, you won't get anything. Yeah, you won't get anything for pain and suffering. Unfortunately, that's that's what's been written in the law, and uh, that's that's what's applicable. So this this law came through uh, last year, right? It was effective May first, twenty twenty one. So if somebody was involved in an accident, you know, in um, April. Um, 2021, then you're okay. You can still make a claim. If you're involved in an accident, you know, a, a week later in May, then mm-hmm. you then you couldn't make a claim. You just just your therapy and and your income loss. Okay. Thank you so much for explaining. Oh, you're welcome. Thank okay, you. Thanks. Bye bye. Uh, that was you know that's the type of questions people are going to be asking because when you talk about what the government is doing or what ICBC is doing, you know, we don't we don't care about it because it's not happening us to us. It's not affecting us directly. But when it does affect us directly, that's when we get mad. And that's what insurance is for. Right? Yes. It's for when you are affected. That's right. Yeah. So 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 the decision that the judge took uh, to overturn ICBC's uh, law, can you give me some examples as to what did the judge feel that it was unfair. Yeah, so so we're talking about fairness. Yes. And when judges are looking at it, they're looking at the law, legislation, right? So they're not always able to make decisions based on fairness. Mm-hmm. But what I find is a lot of the time, um, legal cases boil down to what's right, what's mm-hmm. wrong. And then if that's the case, they'll look at ways to get there, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So if something just seems wrong, I think, I find anyway that a lot of times the law will err on the side or go on the side of the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, not always. There's some technicalities. So some of the things the judge pointed out is that it appeared that this legislation uh, capping the disbursements singled out people in motor vehicle accidents. Mm. So not only you're injured, but specifically in motor vehicle accidents. Right. Okay. So the judge said that you know that was something that you could tell in the decision was something that he didn't like. Mm. Um, because why are these people being treated differently? Mm. So if someone goes and they're walking on a sidewalk and it's a slip and fall because of some obstruction put on the sidewalk by somebody and this other person is negligent, they don't have these restrictions. So why treat people involved in an accident differently? Makes sense, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, another part of it was that the legislation clearly favored ICBC Mm. rather than impacting the parties equally. Okay, so this goes back to what I was saying before. As a plaintiff, the obligation is on you to prove your case. Yes. Now, what that is going to mean is you've got to spend the money to get the expert reports. Yes. More expert reports than defense. And I'm going to do everything in my power to prove my case. That's right. To do all that, I need to have... uh, things in my, um, you know, available to me that I can use to to present my case, right? Yeah, it's not even that, though. It's not even I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm just going to, all I'm going to do is what's reasonable. 
Ah. And that's what the old law said. You'd, right. They'll cover the expenses that are reasonable. That are re- unreasonable. Okay. Yeah, so it the makes court, sense. So the court kind of looked at it, and they said, well, there's these cases yeah. where you've got people with injuries that they need these experts. Mm. Remember that scenario I went through, what I would do if somebody was in this circumstance? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The judge went through that type of scenario. They said, well, you've got like three experts already that's required. Mm. That's going to be a lot more than the disbursement cap. Mm. So they pointed that out, and I can tell that that was a significant factor. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And then um, the other thing is it affected people differently, this disbursement cap. Right. So just to explain that, um, let's say two people have the same injuries. Right. But one person is is a senior, mm. retired, and you know they've got injuries where they, they're going to need help around the house, they're going to need future uh, therapies, things like that. A younger person has the same injury, just equally as devastating, but they've also lost the ability to work. So now that younger person is going to have a bigger claim. Mm-hmm. So they can spend the money they need to to prove their case. Mm. Now you've got this out more older person who has the same significant injuries, mm-hmm. but they're going to be penalized because they don't have an income loss claim. Right. Um, so that's one example where people are treated differently. Right, differently. Right? That's right. Or what about a situation where... So that's discrimination because of age. Y- yeah. I mean, in that situation, yes. that's what happens, right? Yes. So what about um, a situation where you've got a high income earner? Mm. So somebody, you know, who's earning, let's say, over 100000 a year. Mm-hmm. Now, you compare that to somebody who's working at minimum wage. Mm-hmm. So that person who's the higher income earner will have more to spend on the experts than the person working at minimum wage. Very good point. So now what's happening is the legislation is hitting people that are the most disadvantaged and who need the greatest support, right? So these are a, a, a few examples that were discussed in that case. And, you know, it's one of those situations where you think of, well, this doesn't seem right. So let me jump forward and ask you, would ICBC uh, appeal this decision, or they cannot? They can. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you think they will? I don't know. Yeah. Um, the last time this happened, we talked about the prior decision. Right. They didn't appeal it. Yeah. But what they ended up doing was they tweaked it. Yes. According to what the judge said, and they tried to bring it back. So, so there is every possibility they might try and do that. Having said that. I, I, I know that you're not going to be able to answer this question, and I'm just putting it out there, that prior to this no-fault insurance, ICBC was a profitable organization because there was money being taken out of ICBC by the previous government and used elsewhere as well. So ICBC was always a cash cow. Now ICBC is not even going to pay anybody for their pain and suffering because it's no-fault insurance, ICBC is going to be a company which is going to be, which will have oodles of money and it's going to be another bigger, fatter cash cow. What is the government thinking of doing with that money? I don't know because, um, you know, we had talked about this a while back. Remember there was a, uh, it was when the no fault came in. Yes. But before the no fault came in, they, they gave one hundred and fifty-four dollars to each person. Yeah, but before the no fault came in, you remember there was a 
the minor injury cap. Yes. That happened April 1st, 2019, That's which right. greatly limited claims. Yes. So, and we talked about this before. I don't num- remember the numbers because I looked at it back then, but I, you know, I haven't looked at it for a long time. Yeah. But basically what was happening is back then, it seemed with the first change, there was a huge difference for them financially. They're doing a lot better mm. and making profits. Mm. So then the question comes, well, why did you make the second change to take away more rights if you're back into the decent yeah, profits? Green, yeah. So, yeah, it's a good, it's a good question, right? Like, um, what are they going to do with all that money? Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, uh, you know, I don't want the no fault to stay in, in place. No, it should, be, it should be challenged. Everybody who is... Uh, a citizen of this place should be challenging no fault. But that being said, if if it is in place, then why shouldn't you know the people that are paying the insurance premiums? Why are they paying all those insurance premiums? Yeah. this is not a tax, right? No, this is something that is a product that's provided for. Right, it's provided in this province through the monopoly. So if anybody should be benefiting, it should be the people that are actually driving and and paying these premiums. Well said. Mel uh, Chaudhary is in the studio today till 3 o'clock. We're going to take a very short commercial break and come back. And if you have any questions, you can ask him questions or we will move on to uh, uh, family law as well. And also whatever residue of uh, ICBC um, questions we might have, we will answer those. Spice Radio, Radio Room, Jim Sundriya, Kap Shop Kap Program hai. Or Mel Chaudhary, Simpson Thomas and Associates ki taraf se. Aaj humare studios mein hai, we are talking about jo abhi decision aai hai, jis mein ki ICBC ne jo cap lagaya tha, us decision ko overturn kiya hai, judges ne. Let's see what happens in the future. There was another point that you were about to say and, and I just went into our next commercial yeah. break. So I just want to kind of point out, like, you know, people must be thinking, well, you know, how important is this? Yes. Well, just to kind of give you a sense of, of how important the decision is, this is what the words of a, a justice were on this legislation before mm. it was overturned. So it's, it's Justice Kent, mm-hmm. um, and he stated, the thinly veiled purpose of this legislation is to improve the finances of ICBC by reducing the quantity of expert evidence in motor vehicle accident liability claims and thus to both reduce litigation costs and produce lower damage awards, whether by way of settlement or at trial. While all of this may serve the best financial interests of the government and its crown corporation, auto insurance monopoly, it makes more challenging the already difficult task of the court in determining the nature and extent of the plaintiff's injuries and the appropriate medical treatment that might be required in the future. Wow. So this judge is saying, you know, you can say what you want, but this is the purpose of the legislation. And it's basically that, you know, the government will have to pay less damages. And part of it is not that the case is worth less damages. It's just that we're going to make it more difficult for people to prove what their damages are. Mm. So if you can imagine that, it's kind of for as a personal injury lawyer, mm. it's kind of like dealing with a case with having to fight with one hand tied behind my back. Or both your hands behind your back. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> In that case. So I, I bet um, when they were um, introducing this legislation, they're also lawyers. Their lawyers must have drawn this up. Must be thinking about it that it's going to be challenged. So quickly, within a year, they introduced no-fault insurance. Wasn't it within a year of that decision? 
of that uh, legislation? Um, it, it was probably right around the same time. Yeah. You know, so I don't necessarily know if the no fault was in as a result of, of this type of issue. Well, I don't think it was. I think the plan plan for a while was, was to bring... to introduce. Yeah, it was to bring in no fault. Like, when was that plan thought of? I don't know, right? Only the government knows that. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So if you look at the no fault insurance, um, doesn't that... Okay, so what are the pros and what are the cons of no fault? You know, I'd really like to hear from the callers as to what they think about it, right? Because you... What you, do they understand by that? Yeah, what, what do they understand by it? But also, um, you know, you and I were talking before off air. We were saying, well, if you're not affected by it, you you might like it. Yeah. But the only time you really are, you know, it's important, insurance is important, is when you are affected. Yes. So when you get injured, when you get into an accident, that's when you're going to feel it. But if you haven't felt that and you're paying less for your monthly or yearly premium, right? then I can see people saying, well, that's all that matters. So I don't really know what the reaction out there is, but, you know, that that would be the big one. The big mm. benefit of, of the no fault would be that you pay less in premiums for insurance. But my point to that would be, well, if you're paying, let's say, $400 less a year, mm. but for that decrease in $400, you know, what are you getting? Mm. You're still paying a large amount of money, mm. right? So if you get a little bit of a discount, but now you get way less, mm. how is that a good thing? And only really does it come into effect is when something negative happens. That's why you have insurance. So, I mean, another way, if people don't buy insurance, then obviously they're going to save lots of money, <laughs> right? Yeah. But if you're you're sp- still spending a lot of money, but you're getting some discount, but at the end of the day, it's a product that's not nearly as good. How could that be a good thing? Okay, here's, a, here's another question on no fault. Say, for example... There is a no-fault insurance. That means I go and and hit um, somebody's car. I have no insurance, and that other person doesn't have any insurance. What happens then? Because people will say, "I do we have to have insurance in this province when we drive a car? Is it a law that we have to have an in- insurance? It is a law. Okay. Yeah. So it's a law we have to have insurance. Yeah. So I can have the most minimum insurance? So the minimum um, by law is $200,000, third, okay. third-party liability. So I can say, that's a good question. Yeah. Because I can say in the past, no one would want to have only $200,000 of coverage. Right. Because that could be easily um, exceeded. Yes. And then who wants to have that worry that, you know, you're going to have that issue where it's more than 200000 now you're personally liable. Yeah. So now, with this limitation in the ability for people to make a claim, Yeah question is do you need more than 200,000 so that's something that you've got to answer um, you know through your broker talk to your broker about it is how much do I need to purchase an insurance now when I spoke to my broker uh, she had advised it's a really small difference whether you have 200,000 in coverage or a million yeah or, two million. or more yeah so for me it just you know for whatever reason I I, I just left it but the reality of it is, if it's going to make a big difference in someone's cost, maybe it'll make more of a difference if someone doesn't have the discounts for safe driving discounts. Okay, so so that was going to be my next question. Um, there are uh, many tiers to uh, ICBC's insurance policies. 
right? I mean, if you are a, a very good driver and you haven't had huge big accidents and they didn't have to pay out money or, or you're a gold star, whatever they give, do you at that point still need to have a huge insurance policy? Or you can just, because there is no fault insurance, you can just have a minimum insurance policy. Yeah, I, I think talk to your broker about that because right. I don't want to say something that like, so what happens is I deal with the legal end of things. I don't right. deal with those t- types of things. Right. But just thinking about it, that's a good question. Mm. If you can save money mm. by getting a, a lower limit, talk to the pros and cons um, with your broker about it. But it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? What you just said makes sense. What it, The way I am looking at it, it makes sense to me in my mind that I am no matter what happens, whether I am at fault or somebody else is at fault, the, the insurance company is not going to be dishing out $100,000 to each one of us because we've hurt ourselves really badly. But they're going to be giving out money to all the you know physiotherapists and people, massage therapists to look after you. And that is minuscule amount, 80 bucks or 100 bucks every time you go and get your, you know, uh, uh, t- treatment done. So if I'm allowed uh, uh, 10 treatments at $120 a treatment, no more than eleven fifteen hundred dollars $1,500. So I am looked after by $1,500 <laughs> instead of right. $15,000. And, and I think the way they get around it, I think they, the, to get the minimum is the bulk of the cost. Ah. And then when you get the extra over and above that, it's probably not that much more. Right. I know that was for me the case. So, right. uh, you know, talk to your broker about it, though. Right. And then you, you decided uh, with five extra dollars doesn't make a difference. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how it was. Yeah. You know, thank you so much for explaining that to me. My question still stands for all our listeners. What do you understand when you hear no-fault insurance? What does it mean? That if you uh, are responsible for a car accident, no matter what happens to the other car, you are not at fault, and that person isn't at fault. I remember there used to be a time when you you were at a uh, intersection and you made a left turn or a right turn or whatever, and you were hit or you hit somebody, that you could have 50-50% you know, a fault, or it depended as to which way you were turning, whose fault it was, and there were strict rules, and now, you go ahead and you you have a huge big accident and this it's not your fault. Mm. The only the only thing is you you still pay the deductible. Yeah, um, everybody pays the deductible. And both of us are gonna pay deductible. Uh, the at fault party will pay the deductible still. But but there is no fault. Yeah, that's it's kind of contradictory, isn't so it? So isn't it? So so I don't understand that. So mm-hmm. if it is no fault, and then why is another person pay, paying um, deductible? So they they try to get the money from somewhere. Uh, so what ends up what ends up happening is the person they find ICBC finds at fault will pay the deductible. Um, also, their premiums will go up. So even though they say no fault, uh, the person who is at fault, their insurance premiums will go up. Then they shouldn't be calling it no fault. So I don't know. I think I'm gonna have to start a. Um, a petition in which you know we'll sign and ask the minister. Oh well, David Eby is going to be our premier now. 
He's the one who brought all this in. So let's see what he has to say about it. Right. Well, we've got to take a short commercial break. And you've branched out also in family law. Can we ask some more questions about family law? Yeah, definitely. Okay. We'll, um, we'll take a short break and Mel can still answer any question either regarding ICBC or family law. Give us a call at 604-280-1200 or 604-299-8863. Spice Radio or Radio Rim Jims. Jam Kapshap Kap program hai. और मेल चौधरी आज हमारे साथ हैं मेल सिम्सन थॉमस एंड एसोसिएट्स के साथ काम करते हैं मेल इफ पीपल वांटेड टू टॉक टू यू कैन वी गिव योर टेलीफोन नंबर आउट शर्ट इट्स 604 604 689 irrational things and thinking irrationally. Yes. You know, people will fight over a rice cooker. Yes. Who cares about a rice cooker? I know that. A used true. rice cooker. Yes. But it's just the emotional element of it. Yes. So I find for me, it may, may not be true of all personal injury lawyers, but for me, I just, I find it a very easy transition in terms of dealing with people. Mm. You know, because I've got a lot of empathy. Um, I try to explain things in a way where it's very understandable. Right. Don't use legal language. Yes. Um, I've so far been really happy with it. So when you talk about family law, uh, would it have, um, I'm trying to find out whether there are divisions in it or family law means you have to know about everything, about the about rules and regulations dealing with a family. What is a family? Uh, is a family mom and dad and kids? Or is a family like Indians have it, mom and dad and kids and grandparents and uncles and aunts? What is a family? So, you know, the first thing is what is family law? And you mentioned, well, what does it include? Yes. Well, a lot of a lot of questions that are for me is like, well, what about estate litigation? Right. So, so that would be things like, for example, uh, a will, mm. right? When parents leave things for their kids yes. or siblings or, um, you know, their sisters and brothers. Yes. Another part is if somebody passes away, you know, somebody says, well, I didn't get the right amount or it should be divided properly. Right. So that's referred to as estate litigation okay. or, or wills, right, mm -hmm. if you're drafting a will. So family law is a little bit different. It has to do with um, a breakup of a relationship. And usually it'll be a breakup between two partners, so um, spouses. So it's only about married people or people living together, that's what family law is? A, a marriage-like relationship. Oh. Um, and what does that include? Well, if you're living together in a marriage-like relationship, that also impacts the people in the family. So mm -hmm. kids, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, family law deals with those things. Ah, okay. Now, there can be situations where other people get dragged in, mm -hmm. like the parents of the people getting divorced. Like, let's say one of the parents... Um, owns a part of the property, mm. right? Right. So, you know, this is a common story. Uh, a parent helps the 
their child get into a property. So they give them some money, but mm. they, they also have ownership interest. Mm-hmm. So now you've got, on the, on the divorce, you've got the other spouse claiming an interest in that property. Mm. And it's not just against the former spouse, but now the parents involved. So sometimes, uh-huh. sometimes you'll actually get cases where in the pleadings, so in the action, you've got the other family members involved. I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong in understanding this, that say, for example, two people get together and um, the person who is um, one per- one partner has got property in their name and uh, the other partner just comes and marries and they're both living together or they're married and then something happens and they have to separate. So the original amount of whatever the one person put in can be excluded out of the entire um, amount that they together have. Say, for example, I'm just going to, it's easier to say, so uh, the the one person bought uh, a $200,000 house, and then they got married, and then they made other houses, and so on and so forth. But it was the money from that particular house that together they built their own property and a few years later they decide that they, they can't live together. They At that point, they cannot divide their property 50-50. The person who originally had some money in that property will take that money out and then whatever is remainder, that will go 50-50. Am I correct in understanding that? Essentially, that's right. So if you think about it this way, if you bring something into the marriage from before the marriage or the cohabitation, that's yours. Like let's take a house, for example. So that house somebody had beforehand, they get together and now they're living in the house. What happens is the increase in value mm. of that same house, mm. that's split between the couple. Ah, so that is split between the couple. I that's know. right. That's right. right. So the, then, so, so if they've, during that period of time, they've, you know, sold that property, bought new property. Even then, the original amount that the person put in in their house is excluded? Uh, if it's traceable, yes. then it's something, that value uh, can can be taken out and, and given to the one side. Ah, isn't yeah. that interesting? Many people don't know that. Now, you know, I had intended to talk about this more, but we never got around it to yes. it. But basically, agreements, marriage mm. agreements. So that's where you can kind of in advance plan for these types of things. And, you know, some people might think, well, why would I want a marriage agreement that's so unromantic, right? <laughs> why are you killing my romance? Well, think about it this way. If um, you're together with somebody, let's say somebody moves in, mm. right? Um, and things are going well, and you don't really think about it. Now, two years pass by. Well, if the two years passes by and you're living together, you're having a good time, but it's kind of like a marriage-like relationship, that other person has some rights. Yes. Now, what if you're the one with that house? <laughs> right? Yes. yes. So why not plan for it? Plan That's ahead? true. And then you're not worried about it. Like, if you don't have that agreement, what happens if you're in uh, one and a half years into it? <laughs> Are you now thinking, oh, I've got six months left. Um, what if we are together for two years? Right. Now, with that type of thinking creeps in. Right. That's true. So you can avoid that by having an agreement. So would you um, advise young people to always have um, sort of a prenup 
agreement? I, I think it's something smart to do given um, the divorce rate. Mm. Now, I think what more likely scenario is people involved in their second relationships typically probably will do it more more <laughs> often because they've been through it, right? Oh, I see. But when you've got young uh, young people and, you know, they... They madly in love. Exactly. They won't, they won't think about that. Yeah, it's, it's a good idea, but everyone's so different. I can't... You know, if, if you enter into this agreement and it, it causes fighting yes. or that type of mentality, it, you you know your spouse or partner, um, you know yourself, you know what, what would be good for you long term. So I, I won't, won't make a blanket statement saying no. everyone should do it. But, it, you know, there's some benefit to it. Mm. Now, ever since you have moved into this particular field, what is it that you enjoy doing the most? It's... It's just listening to people, hearing the, what their problems are, right. and then trying to reach a practical result, mm. right? Like I can tell you, I you know had a case recently where um, you know somebody asked me about can you know I'm paying these spousal support payments. Can we just do it in a way where it's a lump sum and that's it? Now mm. we can go our separate ways, right? And, you know, I, I think people are hesitant to do that because right. there's so many different issues. Right. But all you really need to do is ask the other side. Yeah. And in this case, it worked out great. Really? Yeah. So, you know, basically everyone's happy and you're able to go on and live life yourself um, without having, you know, that what's left over, the residue from the prior relationship, mm. right? And it's sort of a clean, clean cut yeah. And, and a, a, a better, cleaner break than, you know, than you're you know, being attached all the time and getting piecemeal stuff from one another. Right. And, and so, so family law is a bit messy in that sometimes there isn't a very clear answer. No. So what I try to do is break it down as simple as I can. And I lay out, well, these are the different possibilities. I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen here. Yeah, but you do but talk this to is, them openly. Like this that. is what I think could happen. And, yeah. Well, thank you so much, as always. Um, I was more happy today to talk about ICBC because that is my pet peeve. Having said that, uh, um, I think this particular field that you're in, which is family law, is also something that people want to talk about or want to hear about. So I encourage our listeners to send us questions or call you and give you the questions so that you can answer them when you come next month in the program. Yeah, and I, and I kind of appreciate that sometimes for people, they don't want to talk about it on the air. No, they don't. Feel, feel free to give me a call. Yes, and yeah. the number is? 604. 604. 689. 689. Thank you, Mel. With that, we come to the end of our show. Great. Thank you. Those are all the things that have happened in your will be able to talk about them tomorrow. Where Sadhna Ji is in the studio and she'll be taking your calls and doing tarot readings. Stay tuned for the Drive Home Grind with DJ Flight right here on Spice Radio and your requests with Nutan on Radio Ramcha.